0: Some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Listen to what the Spirit says. It's time for daybreak. Daybreak. Good, Good morning. Good morning. Good <laughs> <laughs>
1: Today is Wednesday. Wednesday. It is the ninth day of November. Whew. Man, this year's almost gone. Yep. And this is Daybreak
0: Live. Live. Live,
1: not Memorex. Brought to you by Church Without Walls.
0: What? No. Yeah. And, I mean, and yes.
1: And so the Nesbitts.
0: I mean, yeah. And John. No, yes,
1: so yesterday morning, Miss Lisa wanted a song. She wanted us to sing a song for you, Lord. So we're gonna sing a song for you, Lord.
0: I wanna sing a song for you, Lord. What for you, I wanna sing a song. We sing about your love, your goodness, Lord, your righteousness. I won't sing a song.
1: You are so welcome, my darling. So,
0: he learned that. I still learned that. Wait, was it? I sang about the mercy I sang about your love? Was that the improv thing? That's the improv. I was like, but I was waiting for it. Oh, something. It was something I was waiting for. Well, and the
1: thing was, I was like, improv, and I went to the bridge.
0: (laughs) So, the funny thing is.
1: Look how dark I am.
0: Like, I asked him to learn that. Well, I wanted to sing that song, and we didn't know that song, so they learned it this morning. What I didn't realize is that when I sing that song, I sing that song. Like, I sing lead on it because I'm just walking around the house singing it, you all know, ain't here. So when it came time to sing the harmony, I didn't know where to go.
1: <laughs> That's okay. That's two third-day songs in a row, isn't it?
0: third-day oh, week. A third day week.
1: Can, you want to do third-day all week? Third-day all week. This is a third-day week. Third-day all week. Third day. <laughs> Uh, y'all look at the sun shining through. The time change is changing everything. I told Mama when she got in here at seven oh one that <laughs> we're gonna have to cover that back window again with something. something. The thing is, is there any way we could fold up our Jerusalem banner and make want, it smaller and hang it? You want to it? It. I'll see oh I can do.
0: you downsize Jerusalem?
1: I'm no. just kidding. I'm just
0: kidding. It's a joke. It's
1: a joke. <laughs> well, good morning, saints. I uh, wanted to uh, put something out there for you guys. Now, let's go here. Church Without Walls, Tennessee. Boom. Cwowtn.com. That stands for Church Without Walls, Tennessee, which is a church and an alliance of churches uh, that is growing and going to be growing. Uh, it is a vision that we have uh, to bring true believers together tear down spiritual walls between churches, tear down uh, all these crazy things that's kept all the Christians separated. But anyway, and go out into the community and have church as well. That being said, though, we do have branches in other parts of the world. And so there's an orphanage that's part of our ministry that we support in Haiti, of course. You know about it, Brother Will Jean. There's also a pastor in Pakistan. Uh, Brother Nadim Sardar, and uh, we support him as well. As Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up, uh, I have it upon my heart. At this moment, Pastor Nadim is a poor pastor, and him and his wife have to walk uh, everywhere that they do ministry. Uh, And I want to try to get them a motorcycle for their family. Now, they had a motorcycle a while back, It was a big raining storm. They were coming back from the Church Without Walls school, which you guys helped us, and we bought many children's Bibles for the school that's uh, in Pakistan. We have like 150 kids in that school, and you helped me buy Bibles for them, and you helped me also buy Bibles for Haiti. I don't ask for things often because I don't want to wear anybody out with this, but uh, I do think it would be good to... Uh, God has laid it on my heart to provide a motorcycle for them. If anybody would like to help me, go to seewaltn.com, hit the donate button. You can donate with Venmo, you can donate with PayPal. Either way, if you would like to help us get a motorcycle for this family to be able to ride and minister. Uh, and if you do, whatever you donate, just send me a text send me a text personally, you know, contact me personally, let me know what you uh, sent, and if we get enough, I'm going to add in my part as well, and we are going to buy a motorcycle for them so that they can get around to the grocery stores and stuff easier. So anyway, would you join us in that, and we'll just let that be, if that's, yeah, I mean, if that's something you'd like to do, we would appreciate it. So let's jump into the scriptures now,
0: And he used to send us these pictures, and it
1: would be him and his wife and one or two of his kids all on his motorcycle, you know. We don't look at it. It ain't like a thing that we look at here, like we're going to go joyriding. It's like a whole no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They'll have mom and dad and two or three kids, and they'll all be on one bike. But anyway, we want to help him with that. We're going to help him with that. We want to give you the opportunity to get in on that blessing if you would like to do it. We're in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13, and uh, yesterday we were talking about the image. I want to continue a little here. We need to talk a little bit more about this. What we need to understand, and I, I know that you probably get this, but when Nebuchadnezzar set up this image for everybody to bow down to, the point was them bowing down to the image was bowing down to him. It was an exaltation of his authority. It was an extension of him. And that is the point when someone like Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image and causes people to bow down to it. Now, remember this principle. We, ha- we have brought it out before. It's Ecclesiastes 1-9 principle. You must remember this if you're going to study prophecy. That if you want to know what's coming, you've got to look at what's been. There's no new thing under the sun. There's this circle that goes around, right? So when I was young, and it's like, and I wore bell bottoms, and then they went out, it's like, well, that'll never be back. Yes, it comes back. <laughs> like the mullet. <laughs> the mullet is coming back. I stopped, you, no, you want me to made, get one, babe?
0: No, no, it made a really brief stop yeah. again on the circle of life. B-
1: but we're joking about that. But when we're talking about life cycles and the cycle of humanity, it is always a circle. You know, a, a culture will will get even if they get right. It's like it's like judgment of God, and people start turning to God. People turn to God, and they 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 have a moral uh, uh, culture for a period of time. God showers that morality with blessings. And as the blessings flow, the people get fat. And I'm, I'm talking about spiritually speaking, they get fat and lazy again. And before long, they start turning back towards the evil. Uh, that's why books today are written like The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. People are turning back to the paganism. They're turning away from. We live in a pro- post-Christian era, right? But the Ecclesiastes 1 9 principle says everything comes back around. Now, what happens as technology changes, it may look a little different, but the spirit is the same. The spirit is the same. So let's go back and look at what we're reading about. We, we want to have a firm foundation. It's the Tower of Babel again, okay? Let's go to Genesis chapter. Uh 1, I mean, chapter 11, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, that as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks, bake them through thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, Come, let us build us, or build ourselves a city, now listen, whose tower or whose top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now this angers the Lord, and he says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and all have become one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they have proposed to do, now listen, this is important, will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there, go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad there, over the, from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased the building of the city Therefore, the name is called Babel. And in this place, Babel, where this originally happened, but we've got to get the heart of it. It was a rebellion against God. Let us build a tower that the top reaches into heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves. God had already commanded them to scatter into all the earth, to populate the earth. Man had become so wicked, God sent Noah's flood, the flood of Noah's day. Destroyed the world. All cultures have a flood story. Okay? After this, mankind still was not repentant. But as they grew, they said, let us make a name for ourselves. Now, God had already promised The rainbow, the bow in the cloud, is the sign of the covenant that God has made, that he will never again destroy the earth with the waters of a flood. Never again. Not the whole earth, not like he did then. He's reserved destruction. The scriptures teach us that destruction will come one more time, and it will be by fire but it was not time for the destruction yet, and yet God had said, I've already promised I'm not gonna destroy them now. I'm never again gonna destroy every living thing like I've done. That's my promise. So now he sees mankind building, they're all one language, they're all one speech, and they're lifting themselves up against God and saying, let us make a name for ourselves. The point is the elevation of mankind, the superiority of mankind the godness of mankind. We want to make a name for ourselves in that heaven. Now, extra-biblical books, his, history books, when you read this in the history books, say hey, the history of the Jews It's written by Josephus. Josephus explained to us, but now remember, we're talking about it ain't a holy book, it's a history book. But in the history book, uh, Josephus says, that the people said, let's build this tower, lest God decides to destroy us again. In other words, it was a direct affront unto God. That We're not only not going to obey God, but we are going to lift ourselves up. And if he thinks he can destroy us again, <laughs> and they build what's called, you know it as, the Tower of Babel. But the Tower of Babel becomes a symbol. So what does God do? God promises already. It's like, God's like, okay, so what are we going to do? And he looks for his counsel. There's a council in heaven that God talks with. Let us go down there and confound their language. So God comes down and divides the languages. And man, he did a good job. (laughs) Can I get an amen? It is hard when you're in another country and you don't speak the language to communicate. So what happened is God divided the languages, and then by doing that, they had to obey God and scatter into all the earth and populate the earth, and they left off the building of the Tower of Babel. They stopped it. Now, that's what's important. God put an end to this, the, the lifting up of mankind, but... It's still in the heart of mankind. And therefore, Babel later becomes Babylon. A city is in this area. But you've got to see the connections. It is man's lifting himself above God. We don't want you. We don't want you. There are scientists I've listened to. Last year, I was listening to scientists who said, I am God. We are God. It's, it's crazy the things that are happening. Okay, but this division now, there's always been this desire to bring back the unity, bring back the unity, bring back the people, right? So what we see in, at the very end in the book of Revelation is the final attempt. It is the resurrection of Babel, spiritually speaking, which is the resurrection of Babylon. The clearest picture of Babylon and the heart behind it comes with Nebuchadnezzar. It's in this same area, right? Now, and then Nebuchadnezzar makes this image. And remember, this image is a projection of who he is, his authority, and what it is, is man wants to be God. Now, if you remember last Friday, I think it was, we looked in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and it says that man of sin, until that man of sin is revealed, who opposeth and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God claiming himself to be God. So that's what's happening in the book of Revelation. That's what's coming together in the book of Revelation. That's why we're later, it, some of you guys already know these scriptures and your mind is always running around Revelation. That's why later you, we read, and he hated the whore. The 10 hate the whore and they burn her with fire. So the the religious system that brings that brings the world government together it's got to ride on the back, right? It's got to. It has to. It, this beast cannot come up without the great whore because the great whore represents all the all the religions coming together, false religions. A harlot sells herself, is not faithful to one. That's the difference. And so religions, as they are not faithful to one, okay, become a whore, it causes the beast to rise to power. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then we'll go to Revelation chapter 13. Some of you probably read this, but let's start with verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. That's pretty much consistently. One of our biggest failures in our day, guys. Listen, I, I'm saying this out of love. People are like, "What's going on? What's happening? What? Why is it so bad?" Look, I read you statistics that it ain't good, right? But God's people are supposed to teach God's way to their children. When they're going to bed, when they get up in the morning, as they walk throughout the day, when they go and work in the fields, they're continually, we're supposed to be teaching our children. If you relegate that, and I relegate that, and we leave that to going to church on Sunday and listening to a 30-minute sermon, and then all through the week, they're on phones and watching movies in Hollywood, children are not going to know what God says. God said, teach your children about me, continually. When you're you're in your living room, when you're on your porch, when you're going down the road, teach your children about my ways and my statutes. So anyway, that's just a side note. But then verse 8 says, you shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And there's symbols for this. People do symbols for this uh, at their doorway and things like that. Later, it would become, uh, in the days of Jesus, people had what was called phylacteries, and they would have little bitty portions of scripture on their hand, right? Or they would take and they would tie it to their head. Now, I'm not saying anything like that is wrong, and I'm not dismissing it or saying anything bad about it but i am going to say this the point to it the point to this is that god's ways are to be in our minds god's way is to be in my hand my hand represents what i am doing everything i do in my life represents what i put my hand to God is supposed to be, God's morality, his commandments, his ways, his thoughts, his morality needs to be part of my thought process, and it needs to be part of my life and everything I put my into. This is the spiritual understanding of this. Now, why is this important? Because when we go back over to Revelation chapter 13, and now we're going to read verse 16, so we read the image of the beast, I'm over already? Let's at least read this, verse 16. He causes all, now I'm in Revelation 13, 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, but understand the spiritual significance of it. And we'll say the Lord's Prayer and get off here. The spiritual significance is, Everything, my right hand, everything I put my hand to is supposed to be about the Lord. Everything my mind thinks on is supposed to be saturated. Think on these things, the apostles would say over and over. Meditate on the scripture. Think on these things. That's supposed to consume my mind and my life. And the enemy wants his ways to consume people's mind and life. And we'll go from there tomorrow. (laughs) It's... Especially today, I'm telling you the truth. It's like gone. I didn't have no idea. I thought I'd been talking for about seven minutes. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. Thoughts, questions I mean, I'll look for them and uh, see what, what you guys got to say. I hope you have a blessed day and uh, pray for me that I'll have a blessed day. And let's say the Lord's Prayer together Our Father who Our Father art in heaven. All right, love you guys, saints. See you in the morning.